Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast, where we're starting a series in Proverbs, and today's conversation is about experiencing awe. As we get started, answer this question, what does the fear of the Lord mean to you? Enjoy. Uh, as a community, we are in this Proverbs series, and the book of Proverbs is asking different questions. Jesus was trained in this proverbial wisdom, and Jesus was all about the question asking. We've said it in here before that Jesus was asked some 178 questions, and he only answered three of them. The rest of the time, he would tell a narrative or ask a question in return. That the Jewish way of thinking was when you're presented with something difficult, which is lots of areas of life, There is not a set black and white answer for that because we're all human beings and there's context to each of our lives. So whenever the big questions of life hits us, now we need the opportunity to ask better questions in return. And Proverbs is just pushing you along saying, the questions that you're asking for your life, is it giving you the best life possible? So a lot of the Proverbs are very simple. It says things like, if you saved a little bit of money, would it be better than if you spent 120% of your income, right? If you showed a little bit more kindness in the world, would that life be better than if you talked about all of your neighbors behind their back? This is what Proverbs is saying, very basic information, but saying, when you look at your life, are you experiencing the best life possible? You'll notice that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount will say things like, you've heard it said, but now I say unto you. Hey, there was once some wisdom out there that said, hey, don't kill people. But Jesus is like, what if even the way that you think about people in your heart is already bringing death in this world? And what if you live that out in a new way? Now, how does the world look? Now, how does the healing of the world begin to function? So this is kind of where we've been. This is where we're going today. I'm excited that this kind of pairs well with uh, Brittany's journey. Um, And we're going to be talking about the fear of the Lord today. Everybody's like, oh man, 1970 sermon, come on. Um, But it's going to be different. We're going to say, hey, here's the way that we once heard things. But what if this story's always been bigger than that? So I want to read a passage with you from Proverbs 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. Again, already you're like, yeah, I want that. I want a better life. I want more justice. I want more fairness, right? I want to be more successful. Nobody looks at this and is like, Proverbs sounds pretty dumb to me. No, you're like, yeah, I do want some more of these things over here. 
Nobody can write a book for me that tells me in five steps how I do that. So Proverbs is saying, let's some, ask some better questions so that in your life, in our corporate life, we can do these things together. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. It's verse 7 here that we're going to be spending some time on together. And so if you've never been to New Abbey, one of the things that we do is we always have a conversation. Because we believe that it's not just about the things that I have going on in my life or the ways that I'm interpreting a passage, but it's about corporately what is God speaking through us. So when we talk about wisdom and this reality that Proverbs is asking us better questions about our life, there's this reality that it's not just wisdom for wisdom's sake. There's a foundation to this wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of knowledge, says. So the question is, then what does the fear of the Lord mean if that's the foundation for how I'm asking these better questions? So to do that, we need to talk about a plastic couch. Uh, we're going to talk about Abraham Joshua Heschel, because everyone's favorite rabbi of the 20th century, am I right? Uh, we need to talk about three words, uh, what it means to move at 70,000 kilometers an hour, the barren wedding, was a good time. Uh, we need to talk about the external, the internal, and then that time my kids enjoyed a croissant with Brian Tarada. That will be good times, my friends. So... When I was a little kid, I used to go to my grandparents' house in San Dimas, and they had blue carpet when you walked in. And then to the room on the left, there was the blue carpet of the living room that nobody was ever allowed to go into. The blue carpet had the vacuum marks still in it perfectly made because nobody goes into the room with the blue carpet. In the room with the blue carpet was a white couch that had plastic all over it because of course, nobody should sit on the plastic couch that was in Mimi and Papa's house in San Dimas. And next to the white couches with plastic on it were gold tables, right? Like old school gold. On top of the gold tables were crystal chandelier um, lamps and every part of the room was daunting for a seven-year-old. And sometimes when we think about God, when we say a word like fear, it's a plastic couch with blue carpets and nobody gets to walk in there because this God story is somehow about what do you do that's right and what do you do that's wrong and we definitely don't step on these places because if you step on these places, then somehow the whole story goes to pieces. And so when we talk about fear, we think of being terrified or being scared that if we were to ever step on the blue carpet in our lives, then somebody was going to punish us for that reality. That this God is angry and mad and frustrated with humanity all of the time and just leave the plastic couches alone. I mean, it's in the book, right? You don't do these things, and that's what makes this God very, very happy, as long as you don't go in the room with the blue carpet and the plastic couches and the golden tables and the crystal lamps then everything's going to be okay. And you can insert what that thing was for you as a kid. Do this, and God, smile on, at that time, his face, because apparently God had a penis. Um, also, if you don't do this, then God is going to be, right, also very happy with you, uh, because God just really wants to make sure that you don't do these things. This is, Ed, come on, got to chuckle out of that one. Here we go. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. There you go. That's, and that's what I'm here to do, sir. 
So we have this view of fear and who the Lord is and this bigger story in our minds. But what we're experiencing, even in this room today, is Brittany and Sammy can come here and talk about their life and that you get to be a pastor, right? That you got to be married, which like five years ago, a Supreme Court of the United States of America said wasn't okay, is a powerful story that's saying we're walking into some rooms with some blue carpets and it's going to be okay. In fact, where we're walking is going to bring freedom and justice and wholeness and healing to this world. And that's the thing that Jesus has for us to do. So I remember reading about four years ago this book by Abraham Joshua Heschel, and he began to give me this new idea of what fear of the Lord is. You see, there are these three words that I often use when I think about God and this experience that I have with God. And one of them is the word for fear, but it's not the plastic couch kind. The word for fear that I get from Abraham Joshua Heschel, which, by the way, is like one of the foremost rabbis of the 20th century, dude knows his stuff is, he says, when you really want to have faith, when you really want to connect with God, then what you need most of all is awe and mystery. And when we think of fear, if you want to think like a Jew or if you want to think like Jesus, then you need to have more awe and mystery in your life. That when Jesus approaches the fear of the Lord, it's not about plastic couches because Jesus was good in going into the rooms with plastic couches and blue carpets, and he tore down those walls all the time. Instead, what Jesus was doing was saying, hey, come on over this way, and let's talk about some more awe and some more mystery, and this is the life of God that I want to invite you into. This life is way more compelling. This life is way bigger, and this life is extremely interesting. And so for us, the ways in which we experience awe is incredibly important. In fact, the ways in which we experience awe determines our perspectives on reality. The ways that we experience this mystery and awe of God changes our perspectives on reality. And if our perspective of reality is a plastic carpet or a plastic couch and blue carpet, then we experience the world in very small and confined ways. But when our understanding of God is one filled with mystery and awe, now this thing opens up in a whole nother way. So that first word that I talked about fear is this word yasir in Hebrew. And a lot of times, particularly within the last 500 years, particularly along powerful groups of people like Western Europeans and American Christians, when their commentators tell you what that word means, it's all about reverence, it's all about being scared, and it's all about power structures. That's fascinating. Right? It's interesting that powerful people wanted a word for maintaining and defining and refining what power is. But when you go back, when you get a little bit more ancient, when you start talking to the rabbis, when you start looking into what the Jews were thinking about this word, how Jesus thought about this word, it was all about mystery and it was about awe because they were an oppressed group of people. They had enough of kings lording over them and empires and structures defeating them that they didn't need any more of that kind of world. What they wanted was a world filled with mystery and awe where this God was expanding and making things bigger and bringing freedom. So we need to go back to some more ancient roots to understand this word well. Two other words that I want you to understand, they're not in the text, but they help me understand God. One is this word ruach. Ruach is the word for spirit. The word for spirit is not just like Holy Spirit. It's this idea that God's spirit is within everything. That when you feel the wind move, it's a reminder that the Spirit of God is there with you. In Genesis 1 and 2, when God breathes life into humanity, it's God's ruach that fills their lungs. It's the reminder that even now as you're breathing, as your brain is working, as you're experiencing consciousness, it is God's ruach that is filling you, right? And reminding you of the goodness of the awe and mystery of who God is in this world. 
So are you going to hold Yasir? You're going to hold Ruach? And then you're going to hold the final word, Kavod. Kavod is this word for glory. If you've been at New Abbey before, you know this is one of my favorite Hebrew words. It's the word that's used in Exodus 33 when the people of God go up to the mountain and they receive the Ten Commandments. They experience the glory of God and they experience it with like clouds and smoke and trumpets and there's lots of noise and there's this energy and things are getting bigger and more exciting and they're hearing God's voice speak. And then it says, and they experience the kavod of the Lord. And this word for glory that they experienced is like there was a pressure, like a weight on you. And you've had that moment before. It's been a sunset. It's when they said, I love you. It's when, man, I can't wait for their phone call again. It's when, like, the end of a Grey's Anatomy season finale, am I right? But like first five seasons, they all just got too much later on. You know what I'm talking about right there, yeah. One amen, praise Jesus. I don't watch it anymore, I'm sorry. There we go. It's so bad now. It's so bad. But you remember those moments originally. You're like, oh, how many more people can die in hospitals? I don't know. It's too much. But it's that powerful moment that we experience in so many different ways as human beings is kavod. And so this fear of the Lord is filled with God's presence. It's filled with God's spirit. And it's filled with awe and mystery. So if we can have this bigger version of what fear of the Lord means, now we can talk about what it means to move through the universe at 70,000 kilometers an hour Come on, right? We are on a planet moving 70,000 kilometers per hour, spiraling through our galaxy away from the center of our universe. That should blow your mind. Right now we are experiencing that, even when we don't know that we're experiencing that. For the vast majority of history and time, we didn't know that we were hurtling through the universe at 70,000 kilometers an hour. Because there was a reference point about God and the universe and how the world works that was blue carpets and plastic couches. But now we know better. Now we have more mystery and more awe, and this thing is expanding out whether we want it to or not. That's how exciting the God story is. And mystery and awe says there's going to be things at every phase in life where you're going to be like, I'm doing what at 70,000 kilometers an hour? This thing's getting bigger. I thought this thing was getting smaller and more defined and more refined, and I thought I had everything figured out because, man, I love a little control and security in my life. But the God story is saying, no, 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 we're pushing the envelope on this thing. The doors are bursted wide open like resurrections everywhere, and you'll never be the same again. No more plastic couches, no more blue carpets. We're hurtling forward, my friends. So I was at a wedding for Brittany and Sammy, and I'm standing at this back corner out here, and they're right here in front under kind of the brick walls and the beautiful vines there, and they're giving their covenant. And as I'm standing there listening to their covenant and their vows with one another, I have this image that goes through my head of a YouTube video that I had seen three years before about the sun and planets hurtling through our universe at 70,000 kilometers an hour. And as I'm listening to their covenant and somewhere in my subconscious this YouTube video is playing, I hear these words, Yasir and Ruach and Kavod, this thing is permeating with my glory right now and my spirit is everywhere and like literally like the wind's blowing, right? And the awesomeness and the mystery and the awe of God is happening right now in this moment and you are witnessing it. Now that's some beauty. 
And I'll hold on to that moment and like immediately like I get out my phone and I'm like sending an email to myself, 70,000 kilometers per hour spinning through the universe, covenant, Brittany and Sammy, like all these words, I'm experiencing the Ruach of God. Do not forget this moment because it really meant something to me. And my hope is that we're living this way. We're experiencing these new moments as our planet, as our society, as civilization, as our beings, as our life stories are only moving forward. I hope that they're filled with more moments of kavod, right? More moments of God's glory and God's presence. More moments where we feel the ruach of God penetrating every last aspect of life. More moments where we experience more awe and mystery and this thing gets more compelling and more interesting and bigger. But we have to have eyes that are open to it. And the only way that our eyes get open to it is when we can realize that this thing is externally moving out at 70,000 miles per hour, but this thing is also always moving internal. It's always getting deeper and growing in some different ways. So as we think about this external story of what's going on, you have to realize that even the scriptures themselves are a story of God getting bigger. The story of scripture is this, God spoke to a man, to a family, to a tribe, to a nation, and then eventually God said, this kingdom, my friends, is for everybody. And then eventually this God says, and I have to leave so that my spirit is now, that you realize that my spirit's within everybody. It's not even going to be contained in one person. This thing is now for the whole wide world. So the very scriptures themselves are saying, this thing is moving forward at 70,000 kilometers an hour, even if you didn't realize it. But so often we're told the story of the scriptures that is covered in plastic and there are vacuum marks everywhere in which we just do not touch. But the Bible is saying, no, 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 hear the story. It started here and it just kept getting bigger than it ever was before. I love one of the earliest stories of scripture in Genesis when God's speaking to Jacob and says this, that Jacob woke up from his sleep and he said, God is in this place truly and I didn't even know it. That early on in the scriptures, God was already giving us clues that it wasn't about your ability to go find or figure out where God was. Jacob realized God was already here the entire time. And the story of Israel, the profundity of scripture, right? The reason that Jesus is so fascinating is that Jesus keeps showing up into God-forsaken places where nobody else is supposed to go, crossing boundaries and crossing borders. And what keeps happening? That's exactly where God was found. And what does Jesus keep saying? The people who are living in the rooms with plastic couches and the blue carpet, there's less of God going on there because they want it contained and they want it domesticated and they want it neat. But you guys don't know this yet, but we're hurtling at 70,000 kilometers an hour outward. Am I right? And so the story of scripture, the fear of the Lord, the wisdom of Proverbs is saying, this is a humanity thing. This is not a faith Christianity question. This is not a Jewish thing. The scriptures are saying, look at this narrative of the Bible. This is your life. It started here. It kind of grew out to a family. You kind of got some bigger perspectives. You have some choices along the way. Do I want the plastic couch or do I want to be hurled in a vortex at 70,000 kilometers an hour? And you have a choice every step of the way as this thing keeps being, getting bigger of how do you want to live your life? Because that's the question that Proverbs keeps begging of you. As you discover more, 
As you realize this thing is bigger than ever before, you can choose the safe, comfortable, and domesticated room, or you can step out in courage and bravery, and this thing will be bigger than ever before. But if you want that life externally, then you also have to do the deep work internally. I love what Ephesians says here. It says, for this is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all things. And the beauty about the Greek here is that the word all means all. Nothing's left out. The story in the Old Testament and the story in the New Testament is the same thing. You're going to keep looking for places where God's not supposed to be, and the darndest thing keeps happening to you. God was already there the entire time. And that changes our perspective. And when our perspective begins to be changed, when awe and mystery change the perspective of our reality, then we believe that there's less Manchesters and less Baghdads, less stabbings in Portland, less stabbings in London. Because we begin to have a better perspective of who other human beings are and this creation and this world that God has given us. So we start with that reality and we start with that responsibility of saying, this is the kind of awe and mystery that we live into. And so how do we take this awe and mystery out with us when we're driving in LA traffic, when we're working, when we're at Trader Joe's and every other aspect of our life, this is the story that God is bringing us into. And so if it's just as compelling for you that we're moving at 70,000 kilometers an hour outside of the galaxy of, that we know, then you should also know that as we move internally within ourselves, that this story should only get bigger as well. Listen to what Colossians says for us. It says, God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. The mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. Therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our mystery. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of knowledge. That mystery and awe keeps leading it back to the same place. We're all made in the image of God. Humanity is this beautiful kaleidoscope and painting of what God is doing in this world. And our understanding of mystery and awe will shape our perspective of reality. Is our understanding of mystery and awe getting bigger or is it moving towards plastic couches and blue carpet? Is our, expand, is our view of mystery and awe moving externally that we are able to put our cell phones down at times instead of taking a picture of the sunset to say, there is a sunset here, my friends, and to enjoy the present moment? Is our perspective of reality one that continues to go deeper, whereas we experience the external awe and mystery around us? It begins to shape emotionally and spiritually and mentally and every aspect of our being, the depths of what God wants for us. Because we know this reality, that our spiritual health will never outpace our emotional health. That if we're not taking care of every aspect of our lives, if we're not finding awe and, mystery and awe and mystery in all the depths of who we are, then we're not growing as human beings. Because we all know those people who are spiritually very mature and emotionally terrors. We all know those people who are spiritually fired up about what's going on and love the plastic couch, but emotionally are so incredibly destructive to this world. And the story that we're going to tell is the external and internal need to match itself. They are a mirror of one another. If the God of the universe created a solar system and a galaxy that's moving at 70,000 kilometers an hour outward, 
then the God of the universe is also expanding our internal realities where we can have more depth and more breadth and more openness and we can be more spacious to the realities of what God has going on. These are things that we get to participate in when we choose to be mindful, when we choose to take some ownership for the perspectives that we have, when we ask better questions of our lives. Is this thing that I'm experiencing right now leading me towards a plastic couch or moving me towards a universe that's expanding faster than anything that I can do? Because I will never outpace God and we will never outpace the goodness of God either. And so this week I was sitting at a table at Jones Coffee with Brian Tarada and my sons, Caden and Bryce. And Caden is not good at sharing, he's three and a half. You might as well negotiate with ISIS at this point. <laughs> and I keep saying to him, will you share with your brother? I will not share with my brother, I will not. I said, okay, how about you just give him little pieces at a time, fine. And Bryce would say, bite, 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 I want more. No Bryce, no Bryce, no Bryce. And I had to tell Caden, here's the deal, man. Like, you have to share with your brother. I got this croissant for the both of you. And I have this moment where I'm looking at my children and the odd mystery is ringing out within me. And so I say to Caden, then here's the deal. If you can't share your croissant, then I have to get the bad attitude out of you somehow. I think I'll have to tickle your big toe. And he kind of gets that face. And then he kind of starts to back up. And I say, but whatever you do when I tickle your big toe, don't you smile. And he smiles as big as humanly possible and I cracked the egg, right? There was this moment where I had a choice to enjoy my child or to punish my child for not listening. And then Brian was sitting there in that moment. He's like, I don't know why this little experience has got me so emotional. And I said, it got you emotional because we chose a better reality. It got you emotional because in this moment, I experienced it with you. I got to enjoy my children instead of the story where I need to scare my children. There's time for correction. There's time for some good old-fashioned spankings. There's some time for some, a lot of things going on in life. And there's also just a time to say, you're a little kid sharing a croissant. We're all fighting over the same croissant. We have this loving God who's expanding the universe outward and who enjoys us even when we act up a bit. And when we experience those moments of glory, when we experience those moments of awe and mystery, it reshapes how we live our lives. The fear, the mystery, the awe, the wonder of the Lord is the foundation of all of our lives. Let's ask these questions with one another. What areas of your life do you externally and internally experience awe? Enjoy. Would you stand for a benediction? May the fear of the Lord be the foundation of your life. 
that your life is filled with awe and mystery? Would you know that whatever we do will never outpace the goodness of God? But would we be in awe and mystery even when we don't have words to describe what God is doing ahead of us? When we open ourselves internally to the work and the realities that God's trying to create within us? So this week, would you go in the grace and the peace of Jesus? Amen. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey Podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.